we need to talk about Kevin. So, um, as always, I'm going to tell you before I give you spoilers, but first, I'm going to try to entice you to see the movie um, without the spoilers, because uh, I think that possibly I could do that uh, without telling you too much. So, first thing, um, I would say that this is a film that is definitely darker. <laughs> it is a little more cerebral. It challenges the viewer. If you want a conversation piece or something that will... Um, that will get you to question maybe yourself, what you would do, um, what you have done, or just thinking about why things happened the way they happened, then I would say this would be a movie for you. Uh, definitely explores things on interpersonal relationships, family dynamics, for sure, and definitely goes beyond that. Uh, so it is kind of like a drama, suspenseful thriller. It is not like a fast-paced action type of suspense thriller. It's definitely paced differently. Um, there definitely is a lot of tension, and it does build, but we definitely are n we're not watching this on a linear timeline. It definitely jumps around, um, and we'll get more into that in a second with unreliable narrator stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a movie that, what I can say, uh, definitely is about the relationship between a mother and son. Again, it extends beyond that and focuses on nature and nurture a lot. Uh, just the, the nature and nurture elements of being human and why we are the way we are or why we turn out the way we do. And it throws that in your face in a very extreme and dramatic way. Um, that again reaches kind of beyond that relationship of of um, parent and child, and I guess sibling and sibling. It's there's there's just a, a family relationship that is very challenging, and we definitely have some conversation about mental health uh, in more than one way. And I already mentioned it's kind of dark, so. Uh, this is rooted in reality, for sure. Um, I think it was 2010 that it came out, or 2011. It is adapted from a book of the same name. We need to talk about Kevin. Um, I have not read the book. I do own the book, but I have not read it, so I'm not going to talk about comparing the two to each other. Um, if you were just a fan of good filmmaking, dare I say great filmmaking, um, and great acting, then this is another reason to watch this film. Uh, Tilda Swinton, John C. Riley, and Ezra Miller are in it. It's kind of cool to see John C. Riley playing a character that is not funny. <laughs> that is not... This is not a comedy, obviously, from everything I've said. So, even though he does great in that space, it's kind of cool to see him play a little more of a dramatic role. Um, Tilda Swinton's just the bee's knees and has been in a lot of films, and um, she won a lot of awards for this best actress in, in different festivals and stuff and Ezra Miller just blows my socks off in in certain roles and this is one of them um, this is actually the movie that I first saw him in uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower I believe came out before this but I did not see that until after but anyway as this is what put Ezra Miller on my on my radar and he just kills it um, actually there are three different actors that play the main character of Kevin uh, I guess you could argue that the main character could be Tilda Swinton's character, Eva. Um, either way, there are three different actors because, I mentioned it jumps around in the timeline, so there are previous, um, more youthful 
versions of Kevin um, that are played by two different actors, and I don't know their names, and I didn't look them up. But they also do an amazing job. So it's just great filmmaking in that suspenseful drama type thing. Um, it has just, again, those elements that would be more suited towards someone who wants to challenge themselves, um, to think about and reflect on the elements of nature and nurture and the human condition, put it that way. Again, and it's done through this this family unit, and then there are events that happen outside of that. Um, but there are some extremes here, for sure. And I think that's really all I can say. Oh, unreliable narrator. Uh, I can talk about that before I get into spoilers. So, um, again, I have not read the book, but unreliable narrator, that is a thing that we should keep in mind when watching the film because of that timeline. Uh, I believe the way that we are meant to be watching this is basically through uh, Eva, which is played by Tilda Swinton, the mother. We're, we're seeing this through her perception, through her eyes. It's like she is narrating this. And those flashbacks to earlier times are through her memories. And as you know, being human, our memories are tainted. They are not um, accurate, as accurate as the reality of what happened at that time. Uh, they are subjective they're not things that we can place a lot of stock into at times with how well um, how well we can remember the actual events of what happened. That sometimes we over-exaggerate things, sometimes we just don't remember certain elements because our subconscious doesn't necessarily want to recall some things for specific reasons, and so we maybe leave them behind, forget about them, etc. Uh, so that's, that's the whole unreliable narrator thing, and... Uh, I think with that, we can get into the the bulk of the review. Um, but that that is what I would say to try to entice you to watch this thing. Um, it's, it's very good. It's very well done. And now we're going to get into spoilers, jazz hands, spoilers. Um, so basically one of those things that we're faced with that is kind of jarring in a way and something that I don't think is necessarily put in the forefront of media a lot of time is dealing with postpartum depression. And that comes there that's just right away in the sequence of events as they would be in a linear timeline then we kind of see some things before that in Eva's life but we are definitely faced early on with this notion of postpartum depression and that Eva didn't necessarily she wasn't super happy to be having this child even during like the Lamaze classes and stuff she doesn't seem super pumped to be pregnant um, I think that part of the reason why is just that she misses her her life that she had traveling. Uh, we, we learn pretty early on that she has had some experiences that she really treasures while traveling. Um, we learn later on that she's this author and she wrote this book about, and I was like, legendary adventurer, Eva, I don't remember, Cachadorian, is that her last name? And, uh, yeah, so there might be some resentment there that she was even pregnant in the first place. And then we, we see that Kevin is a very difficult child, even as an infant, because he will not stop crying. So we get into this nature-nurture thing right away, too, and there's a lot of questions that won't be answered because we just don't know. Of, like, well, why is he crying all the time? Um, pretty much unless his father's holding him or he's asleep and it takes him a long time to fall asleep, we see that Eva is exhausted by this and 
uh, goes to the lengths of going to a construction site where there's drilling and, like, has the stroller right next to, like, the jackhammer going because it drowns out the sound of the crying for a little bit and she can actually... That's the closest she can get to, like, peace and quiet sometimes. Um, there's also some resentment that we see early on, maybe building between Eva and Frank, uh, or Franklin, the father, played by John C. Riley, um, because there's a moment where she finally gets Kevin to sleep, and she's, like, resting on the couch, and she's exhausted, and then, oh, Daddy comes home and, like, wants to pick up his, his son, and, and she's like, please don't, I just put him to bed, and then he picks him up anyway, just completely ignores her, and... Kevin's fine in those moments, and then he just says, like, oh, you just gotta rock him, you just gotta rock him is all, and he's just like, you just gotta rock him a little bit, and he's fine, and then she's like, what do you think, I'm exaggerating? Like, why don't you believe me? Why don't you, you know, basically, it's like, why do you not respect me? Why do you not listen to me, hear what I have to say, and and I'm telling you not to do this thing, because I, I'm with him all day, I'm exhausted, I don't want him to be awake, I don't want the, the chance or the opportunity for him to go back into crying and whatever else, and it's just like, that that he's undermining her there, and their relationship over time definitely um, deteriorates and ends, well, doesn't end in divorce, but it was headed for divorce, and... We know that Kevin is the reason. Starting even from that little nugget, he is the reason. Um, so yeah, we see that early on, Eva expresses resentment before Kevin's even born, possibly. And again, the, the thing about the movie really is, and I can't, I'm skipping ahead, but like, because it's being told through, like this question of nature and nurture is being told through the lens of a mother and just like this family dynamic that's very focused on mother and child, a mother gives you nature and nurture, right? Like, Kevin has her genes, has her DNA. Possibly, if there are some mental health issues, um, some of that can be passed um, and is hereditary. But then there's the nurture element as well, right? So, in this case, in most cases, a mother would do both of those things, right? Is Has given them the nature aspect and the nurture part. So, that's a thing that happens early on. Again, that resentment or that indifference, that not knowing, that that insecurity, um, unhappiness, etc. happens early on, I think that maybe a lot of the time I'm thinking, like, Kevin's actions would make me unhappy too, right? Like, that I'm thinking that, you know, it's easy to forget that she might not have been happy during pregnancy, um, and that Kevin's actions at a very young age make it very difficult. But that's the thing. You have to ask yourself, too, is like, so yes, he was crying all the time, crying all the time. He wasn't doing anything malicious. You would assume he's not doing anything malicious. But, um, she might take that out on him when he was still very young instead of weathering that storm and then just p pushing through. I'm not saying that that would be something that would even be not even close to easy to do, but had she maybe reacted differently early on, then it could have nurtured him differently, and he wouldn't respond the way he does to her throughout the entirety of the film and his whole childhood um, into almost adulthood when things start to change. Um, so anyway, postpartum depression, that's a thing. Talking about mental health, talking about parenting. Um, 
and basically, if you've seen this and you're watching whatever, uh, <laughs> and you know the spoilers or, or, or you don't, Kevin's just uh, just really, really not nice. Uh, he does a lot of malicious things. He has a lot of attention-seeking behavior. He does a lot of things on purpose, just straight up on purpose, just towards his mother. That he, at a very young age, starts manipulating her. That he is basically a great actor. I don't mean Ezra Miller or like the kids that were playing Kevin. I mean Kevin the character is a great actor because he turns it on like this happy-go-lucky kid for his dad and that is not him. That is not the way he acts on a day-to-day -day basis the majority of the time. He puts on a different mask and character for his father and that's not the way that he lives. Um, hour by hour with his mother, Eva. Um, so yeah, really early on, he's very manipulative and has some traits that lack empathy, and he... he doesn't seem to care about these things that he does that are not nice, to put it very mildly. Um, and again, there's some attention-seeking behavior too, and, and the question arises, well, He's doing these things and he's seeking his mother's attention and why is he seeking her attention? Why does he want her attention? Even if it's negative attention or is it not really attention seeking and he just wants to cause her pain and why does he want to do that? We see that there was an early time when Kevin is a toddler where she breaks down and says like, basically, you are the reason I'm not happy. I wake up every day and wish I was in France. And also, this adds to like the, the marriage between Eva and Frank uh, deteriorating because he walks in on this and he just like walks away shaking his head and it's just like one of those times where again how many times did she do that we don't know we only see that one incident and it's very unlucky I I'm thinking when I'm watching the movie like oh man like she tried so hard so much to like try and do right by this kid and like really really have a lot of patience because I think she has tremendous patience a lot of the time um, and then Frank just catches her this one time where she's just, like, so overwhelmed and she says the wrong thing. And, of course, that could really screw a kid up, you know, being like, oh, you don't want me. However, he was acting the way he was acting before that, and that is why she was so frustrated and overwhelmed. So it's one of those things, again, where you don't know why he was acting the way he was acting. Why is he targeting her? Why is he so malicious? Um, we don't know. And there is this thing of, like, maybe he... This theme of, like, early on, he may have detected that separation. That she had difficulty just loving him and being warm and wanting to bond with him in a way that we would see as healthy. And that leads to just the rest of their time together. Um... <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to think of where else to go here. And and really, so just in case you're watching this and you don't care about spoilers and you want to know about the film anyway, um, so yeah, he's horrible, he sucks. We see some of the, few, like the present slash future or whatever elements where Eva is, we know something has happened and we're fairly sure that Kevin has done something horrible, but we don't know what it is. We see him in jail. He's done something and Eva is paying for it. She ends up, living in this really crummy house when she used to have all this money. Uh, they lived in a very large house on a very decent property, and now she's in this really crappy house, and 
People are targeting her. They're throwing paint on her house, on her car. They're punching her in the face in the street. They see her getting groceries and they, like, wreck her groceries. And she's being punished for the actions of Kevin. We don't know of any actions that she has done, but there are some things that are left out. We don't know all the details. Um, what we do know is that she's visiting Kevin in jail. And that alone, depending on... I mean, when you find out what he did, kind of makes sense as to why people would be upset about that, because they think that she should not be supporting him in any way. However, this goes to, again, that that interesting bond or lack of relationship a lot of the time that, sh they, that they share yet she feels obligated or she wants to go and visit him because a lot of people would say that a mother's love is unconditional and it seems like hers for some reason uh, i don't know if it's unconditional but early on she didn't feel that love and that bond wasn't there and now she is trying to be here for him when he has committed atrocious acts which we'll get into in a minute um, so we have this present and this future stuff, and then we have these past instances that show a lot of his behavior that's really malicious and not good. And uh, again, we have this question of why. Why, why, why does Kevin act this way? Uh, we see that Eva has tried, um, has had tremendous patience, and has also been very human and made mistakes. Um, and I think now we just get into those, those really extreme and horrific acts. So... Um, man, the thing of nature and nurture just keeps coming up, right? Like, so there's these references throughout the movie that I find fascinating. I really love them. Fascinating in just the fact that there's like clever little Easter eggs and nice things that happen that they don't tell you, like, hey, this leads to this, or this is why we did this, or this is whatever. But she, at one point, she um, finds Kevin on the floor sick, and she's reading to him later that night, he allows her to take care of him in this moment, and she is reading Robin Hood to him, and then we see the Robin Hood book there, uh, th several times throughout the film, and we know that he likes it, and then he has, like, this toy archery thing that he's doing in the backyard, and we assume the connection is because of this, this thing, this, he's bonding with his father the whole time he's doing archery in the backyard, but this was a book that Eva had read to him. And in that moment, actually, Frank comes home, comes in the room, he's like, oh, how are you feeling? I heard you were not feeling well. And he's like, go away, I'm busy. Like, keep reading, Mom, don't stop. And it's like this moment where they're like, wow, like, Kevin likes you right now, that's crazy. Um, the thing is, something has happened before that. And before that, what has happened, uh, from my memory, it happened before that, because it was the first time that we almost see Kevin extend a form of kindness or respect to his mother and so we're past toddler age here I don't remember how old I think we do know but um he's got to be like only I don't I want to say like about six six years old ish um I have to go back and say too because I'm just forgetting things we have this notion of him that he was developing, for, for a second we think like he might have been slower at developing. Because he's not talking, he won't even like roll a ball back because he doesn't want to, and then he just does it when he wants to. And then he chooses not to do it after he shows he can do it. And this is a theme that happens a lot of the time. He just doesn't do things. He doesn't want to do the math, or he doesn't want to count up to 10 or whatever. And then out of nowhere he just gets bored and tired and frustrated of the fact that She's trying to do this thing with him and teach him math, and then he just counts up to, like, 50, and is like, there, is that enough? And then, um, 
Yeah, so he is very capable. He is very intelligent from an early age, but we don't see that to such a consistent point that Eva brings him to a doctor to be like, what's wrong with him? Like, he won't even speak. Like, I thought his hearing was bunged. And the doctor's like, no, his hearing's fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing wrong with him at all. Whatever. And the thing is, he won't use the toilet. He has a diaper for, like, way too long. And he uses (laughs) the act of defecating as a way to add insult to injury, even in that moment with the math, because he chooses, he makes a conscious choice to poop in his diaper, so she has to change it. And then, after all that, he gets up, he's walking away, and he turns around and basically looks her right in the face and does it again. And it's interesting because there's this parallel that's really creepy later, because like he just like looks her in the face and does it, and it's almost like this... It doesn't seem creepy, it's not like creepy, but it's like, wow, like, you're a real piece of work, man. Like, that you can just look someone in the face while you do a thing that you know is going to frustrate them. I don't know, it'd be like, it'd be different if you just did it on your own and they had to deal with it, because then there would be like a shred of doubt that they could have of like, did they do that on purpose? I don't really know. And then this erases that doubt. It's like if you were to go into someone's room and like break something of theirs and then leave and then they don't find it till later. But instead, you choose to go in there, take the thing out of the room, show it to them, and just, like, break it in front of their face. That's what he's doing. And that parallel happens later in a really creepy way where he's in his room, masturbating, and she walks in, and she's like, oh! And then he, like, stares her in the face and starts just stroking her even more. Just harder. (laughs) Like, more intensely. While just staring at her. And it's just, like okay, like, bodily functions and being a creep and, yeah, just this thing that he does that's really cool. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, parallels are there. Uh, anyway, getting back to what Kevin does. So, he has had incidents with animals, acts of violence, killing the guinea pig, um, that's the other thing, is that Eva eventually has another child, and Kevin resents this other child, and that's kind of normal at that age to be like, oh, well now I'm sharing, sharing, you know, um, affection and time and whatever else. And the thing is that it's interesting that Eva chooses that route to have another child, uh, because it definitely was a choice made by her, where Frank did not get a choice, because by the time that she told him... Uh, it was actually Kevin who pointed out that she was pregnant in a way, and then Frank realizes it, and they have this discussion and an argument, because I don't think Frank wanted another child, and Eva did. And I think she wanted one to have a chance of having a child that is not like Kevin. Um, which is interesting, because she didn't want a child necessarily that much to begin with, it seemed. Um, but... Kevin murders his sister and his father, and then he goes to school and murders a bunch of students uh, with a bow and arrow, (laughs) and so we end up finding this out before the end of the movie, and now all those reasons as to why these people um, hate Eva are more present, and we know that these are victims or their their children uh, went to that school and were victims 
Um, at one point, someone approaches Eva that was a direct victim that, that is in a wheelchair, and he's actually very nice to her, and she doesn't really know what to do with that. Um, whereas when people like punch her in the face or whatever, she just says, no, 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 it's my fault. Don't call the cops because someone offers to do that. And he's like, no, 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 I saw. Like, that woman just, like, came and punched you or whatever. And she's like, no, 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 it was my, it was my problem. Um, and, or my fault. And, uh, yeah. So even the way that she chooses to have these interactions and she feels guilt, right? And so that's the thing we're seeing, too, with the nature of the nurture. Like, she is feeling guilt for Kevin's actions because she feels somewhat responsible. And why? Um, I just realized I skipped through something I was going to talk about before, and that was the fact that... Uh, after Kevin just, like, poops his pants again, Eva gets so frustrated, she throws him at the wall and breaks his arm. And he says later on that that was the most honest thing that she ever did. Because she showed her resentment, she showed her anger and frustration, and in this weird way, he respects that, I think. But at the same time, he uses it as leverage against her and manipulates her with just him, like, rubbing the scar and reminding her that this is what he did. He didn't tell anyone that this is what she did. He ended up saying, when he's putting on his little magical acting face to his father, that he fell off the changing bed. Um, and Eva still says, like, it's my fault, it's my fault, I'm responsible. And, and Frank's like, no, you can't watch him every second of the day. And it's weird that sh he gives her this... this... Um, this out. Because... Their relationship has already be become strained, and it continues to become strained. And again, Kevin is the source of that. I mean, there's time. There's a rare time of them being intimate, and Kevin interrupts it. And it's like, geez, like, how, like, and it does. We know that this doesn't happen often for them um, anymore. <clears throat> then he has to interrupt that as well. Uh, anyway, so kind of getting to the end of things here and wrapping things up. Um, we have these questions again of why he's attention-seeking, why does he do the things that he does, um, how much of that is nature, how much of that is nurture. So there is a time when they are golfing. Eva takes him on a date, basically. They go golfing, and she she is speaking about these overweight people, and she's being incredibly rude, and Kevin's like, geez, that's kind of harsh, Mom. Like It's almost like a surprise that she's speaking that way. And it's interesting because the way that we've seen her interact has never been that way before. So to me, it was like a surprise. Like, wow, that was really rude. Where did that come from? And I don't know if that's because she was trying to bond with him because that's what it seems like. But then she says, like, harsh, you should talk. And then he said, where do you think I got it from? And so it's this play of, like, that nature and nurture again of, like, either way, he seems to have gotten it from her, no matter what. And, uh, again, that, that harshness that she had, we didn't really see before. And so we don't know how legitimate that is, a part of her, or if he was, she was almost trying to impress him and bond with him. Because this, this theme of bonding is there throughout the film as well. Um, yeah. There is some nihilism here, too, with Kevin, where he, well, when we're asked this question of why are things the way they are, he basically answers this a couple times, um, but, uh, yeah, so there's a time where after the date, Eva starts going through his room and finds, um, a CD, like a blank CD, 
puts it in her computer because the CD says I love you and that's interesting and so she puts it in there and it just deletes like it, it screws up the computer I'm assuming it deletes all the files corrupts all the files at the very least it's just this weird um, like I don't know what to call it destructive hack on this CD as soon as she put it in and apparently it was so advanced that it corrupted all the computers at her job as well just through the network somehow of her computer even though she was at home uh, so it's this kind of advanced hack thing and she says why do you even have this because she goes to his room and he's like your computer is fucked isn't it and she's like yeah and she's like why do you even have this and he's like I collect them and she's like why would you collect a thing like that he's like well I don't like stamps and then he says that um there is no point that's the point and that kinda comes through a little later as well when he's in prison he's talking about um, how there isn't really a point he says when he is asked like the big question when someone just straight up asks him why why did you do this and Eva is the one asking him why I need to ask you why you did what you did he says I used to think I knew but I like he doesn't know anymore um, and attention-seeking behavior or fame or breaking away from monotony or whatever might be part of it because when he's being filmed on TV, we know that someone has also asked him why, even though we don't hear it, because of his answer. And he's answering that, you know, people are watching me right now, you know? If I had just gotten great uh, straight A's in geometry, they wouldn't be watching, this is what he says. Um, and back to the nature and nurture thing and wrapping things up, there's some more evidence of that where... Um, he's scared for the first time when he realizes that he is going to he's going out of a juvenile detention center and going to an actual prison and Eva says you don't look happy and he says have I ever and that just becomes this interesting thing too like we know that he took Prozac we don't know how he had access to Prozac but part of his plan when he orchestrated this whole thing was that he was super high on Prozac and so maybe it was something that he was taking anyway because of whatever mental conditions he had that were diagnosed and, and whatever. Um, so he mentions, like, he hasn't been happy, and when we look back, like, yeah, the only time we've seen him happy is when he's basically faking it in front of his father. Um, he also mentions when he's a child, like, just because you're used to something doesn't mean you'll like it. And I think part of that was because she was trying to say, like, hey, you, you're going to have a new sister, like, a baby sister to play with. And, like, okay, well, you'll get used to it. And he's like, just because you you get used to something doesn't mean you like it. You got used to me, and you don't like me. And that's that acknowledgement. Well, we don't see her deny that in that moment either. But it's this acknowledgement, like, yeah, okay, he knows. Like, he's very aware that this is part of the relationship. And he resents her later on for that. Like, going on that date, it does not end well. Because during the supper, he ends up saying, like, well, what are you going to do next? Do this, this, and this. And lays out all the steps of, like, this formulaic process that she would go through just to try to connect with him. And I think he's upset about it because she hasn't made an effort to connect with him before then, right? And that she has given a lot of her affection towards this other child. And that's another reason why he probably takes it out on this other child. Um... So, to get to the end of this, because another one of the questions as to why is, like, why did he kill his sister and father? Sister makes sense, but the father, who he did connect with a bit, and, like, whatever, um, there's two theories that I have. One is that 
he was fake when he connected with his father. Whereas he had this moment of real honesty, which he says to Eva, like, that was when you were honest. Like, the most honest thing you ever did was, like, throw me at the wall and break my arm. And his father, he's never had an honest connection with his father. It's always been under this guise of being this regular kid who's just like, these boys will be boys, and he's a troublemaker, and whatever. Um, so there, he can't respect their relationship because it's not built on a foundation of truth. Whereas his relationship with Eva is, even though it's incredibly horrible. The other thing is that because of the resentment he's built up against Eva, I think he wants to keep her um, bonded to him and also just being as malicious as he is, she has to live with that. She has to live with the fact that he has killed like the man that she used to love and her daughter and that she still loved very much and like he, he, she's got to live with that and so that also just bonds them together for the rest of their lives including also the things that act of like the school thing or whatever like everyone knows that she is his mother right um and then people hate her and they act horrible towards her and part of it i think is the fact that we know that she's getting ready to bring Kevin home at some point. Like, she has a room for him that she's painted the same colors as his old room. He even has the Robin Hood book there, again, which is super weird. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that, that that is this heavy thing that happens there where it's like, no, he has decided that this is how he's going to bond with her and keep her bound to him um, and having this relationship. And we do see, at the end, too, she gives him affection. They share a hug, and he is scared for the first time we've ever really seen because he's coming to terms with the reality of the consequences of his actions, and she seems to have this love and obligation to him that she didn't before. And it's interesting how that relationship grew over these horrible, traumatic horror horrific events just like yeah which is another reason why other people hate her maybe because she is standing by him so that's basically it there's this one thing that i noticed this was my third viewing of it by the way i haven't seen it for a couple of years and there's this one thing that i noticed so when you first watch the movie i think you notice the color red a lot um i think one of the the, the first or second viewing i also noticed the color yellow but then in this this time around, I was like, okay, we've got red, blue, yellow, and white. And we see those a lot. I was like, did I even see the color orange? Did I ever see the color purple? Like, we saw green with maybe, like, the Christmas tree. But, like, artificial colors, like, I don't remember if I saw those at all. And I was like, wow, that's bananas. And um, I really noticed it with his t-shirt. So he wears a lot, as, as a teen, he's wearing his t-shirts that he had as a child. I don't think that has a, the symbolism that one would jump to immediately that he still is a child and he hasn't matured. And like, no, I think he has. He's shown he's very intelligent. So, um, but their relationship, however, is stunted. And so that could be a thing. But he's wearing these shirts that he had as a child. One of them is a white t-shirt that has a hot dog on it with mustard. And I think there's ketchup as well. And... We've got so we've got yellow, red, white. The hot dog bun is blue. Like there's no the, like those are those four th like colors that are on there. 
Um, and uh, this viewing, I have actually, this, this past viewing that I just watched uh, a couple days ago was with my girlfriend. She was the one who pointed out, like, those are the colors of the bullseye, or like the, the target that they're using for archery. And I was like, holy smokes, that's right. Like, everything just goes back to that. And those colors are so present. And, like, I think it's really heavy-handed in the beginning with the parallel of Eva in the tomato or whatever uh, festival. And I think it's like, Italy or I don't know where. And there's just red, and it's just, like, blood. And, like, you, you kind of get that sense of, like, how this was a joyous moment for her. But then we know that later on there's, like, a bloodbath, and it's not good, and it's horrible. Um, but, again, those other colors start coming up a lot, and I didn't notice them the first time around. And I like those things. I like those really thoughtful elements in a movie that make me start asking why. Why did they have that? What does that mean? What else can I get from this the more that I watch it and see those things? So, um, I think that's all that I have to say. That is all I have to say. Um, again, I really enjoyed it, and... It's one of those movies that's not, like, super, super fun to watch. Like, it's a good movie, but it's, like, I don't necessarily need to have that message again right now. Um, but it's something I, I, I like, I like exposing, I like when I expose it to other people. I like when, um, I can do what I'm doing now and, like, try to get other people to see it because I do think it's great and has some of those challenges to the viewer of nature and nurture, um the human condition, why we do the things we do, and what's okay and what's not, and, yeah, just exploring the spectrum of human emotion and how we act and why. With that, we'll see you on another time. Actually, I'm not done. A little bonus content. <laughs> the DVD, like, casing and, and housing is super, super sick. Um, I find that with a lot of contemporary DVDs, they don't put a lot of effort into the packaging at all. Just like a equivalent of a jewel case with no insert, it's just garbage. Um, but we have these arts that are in here. And uh, again, the colors play a role. We've got, you know, Celie, Cecilia or whatever. The daughter with like the, the, uh, the eye that's all red. Uh, from when she lost an eye drinking Drano that Kevin put out there for her. Kevin is Robin Hood. Uh, Mommy in Spain is one of my favorite things from this because it really... <laughs> it, they're all throwing these tomatoes at her and stuff, right? And it's kind of almost like if we replace those tomatoes with like stones that they'd be stoning her. There's just these parallels that you can draw and these symbols, but it also looks like Mommy's in pain. And that's how I read that, not Mommy is in Spain, or Mommy in Spain, it's Mommy's in Pain, is, is how I think you could also look at that. The other cool thing is that um, we have basically an essay um, titled The Heart of Evil, and uh, by Mark Stafford, a psychoanalyst, um, and he talks about the movie and how... Um, you know, reasons why children kill, or if their parents are responsible for their violence, or uh, recognition of evil does not eradicate the possibility or the existence of love. I think it's just like a beautiful companion piece to the film, um, and I just really love what they did with with 
you know, again, just providing that whole experience, a whole package. Um, there are extras on here and special features that I have not looked at yet, um, but they're on there as well. I think there's an interview with Ezra Miller, maybe one other person, but that's just a little, a little extra, a little alfoie.